We believe in people and their stories and their ability to inspire and change the world. Welcome to World Transformer, Transformation Realty's podcast, and I'm Doug Austinus, your host for today. It is our deepest desire to introduce you to those local transformers who day-to-day change the world. The often hidden champions who in their own way are transforming lives, communities, and the world by doing good. Today's guest on our podcast is a new friend of mine, Tammy Bandemir. You might have heard that name before. As a part of the third generation of owners and operators at Bandemir Speedway, her family's drag racing facility is located in the beautiful Colorado foothills here in Jefferson County. Tammy is following in the footsteps of her grandfather and father as the next president of the unique business that's provided distinctive drag racing entertainment since its inception in 1958. Also responsible for the Speedway's community relations and the coordinator of its Race to Read program, Tammy welcomes the opportunity to educate others about the exciting world of drag racing. Uh, Her grandparents, John Sr. and Francis Bandemere, founded the strip in 1958, and her father, John Jr., managed the facility as president and general manager until 1998, when then her brother, John III, took over the reins of general manager. Tammy's no stranger to the business of drag racing. She's been a part of the family business since she was only nine years old when she began working part-time summer jobs at the facility. She worked her way up from the ground level. Then after a year at Pittsburgh Baptist College in Owatonna, Minnesota, and a secretarial degree at Barnes Business College in Denver, she returned to work part-time in the track offices while pursuing a full-time receptionist job at a local oil company, and then a secretarial job for the Manville Corporation. In 1986, Tammy was employed full-time in the Speedway's offices and has enjoyed a variety of other jobs, including receptionist, secretary, media and public relations coordinator, office manager, and marketing assistant. In 2018, Bandemir Speedway will celebrate its 60th anniversary as it continues to provide distinctive drag racing entertainment during its April through October racing season. Tammy's also involved in the following organizations currently, Jefferson County Public Library Foundation as the chair of the board, The Warren Tech Foundation, also chair of the board. Cherry Hills Community Church as a Sunday school and vacation Bible school teacher. The Race to Read program coordinator for preschool through elementary age children, which has been in inception for 22 years. Uh, Christian Motorsports International and Team Racers for Christ, again the board chair. You're seeing a theme here. Bandemir Speedway, Ministries Advisory Committee member and the Colorado Christian University Ivy Women Impact Team. So you're going to enjoy today's interview with Tammy Bandemere and find out a lot about this woman who's the president of this organization. Tammy, great to be in your guys' office and conference room today. Thanks for letting us do this with you. Well, thanks for joining us, and thanks for the opportunity to share my story. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, today's a little special. i got a special guest in studio with us as well, my 12-year-old grandson, whose uh, dad does some racing out here. So ah. he said, let's go, and you can uh, get to see behind the scenes. So yeah. yeah. After so 60 great. years, somebody, everybody's been here at least once. That's you know, right. That yeah. Typically is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You probably know um, the name if you're in, from the Denver metro area or have been here very long of Bandemir Speedway. And Tammy is third generation Bandemir who is uh, running the organization as president is That's your uh, your occupation here. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, let's give to begin with let's just give people kind of an overview and mm-hmm. now everybody's not into racing maybe but uh kind of what's what happens out here at Bandemir Speedway and then we're going to dig into some other stuff from there so tell us a little bit about 
Well, and you know, unlike some of the other racetracks across the country, we run this as a business 12 months out of the year. Okay. You know, there are there are places that, you know, they, they just run on the weekends and it's maybe run by some racers or businessmen or that kind of thing. But um, we made a commitment years ago that uh, we were going to run this as a business. And so we have about 18 full-time staff that are here year-round. And then we, during the summer, we can employ anywhere up to 300 plus um, staff members, wow. you know, part-time staff people in all okay. of our different areas. So we do run it as a business. Now, our season actually runs April through October. Okay. And, so it's um, not as many people might think, hey, it must just be a weekend job during right. the summer. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, exactly. And and what's really great is that um, each year around April, March or April, we, we put out, you know, a job fair. Not, not We used to do a job fair. Now we just do uh, online. You know, everything's gone pretty much yes. electronic. But um, what we find is that for most of our areas, most of our people return each year. So for us, that's a huge blessing. Then we don't have to we don't have to go out and find new faces, new people, and you know okay. retrain people and that kind of thing. Um, they just love being out here with us, and we love having them. And so it's just a it's a good a good relationship. So outside of the race season, which is largely the races are on the mm-hmm. weekends, right? Correct. What's uh, you guys also do events out here, and there's other stuff. So on the off season, quote unquote, what happens out here at Vandermeer? During the off season, pretty much the racetrack shuts down. I mean, as far as as far as the racing surface, okay. Um, because drag racing can't happen on a wet track. Drag racing can't happen on an on a on an unprepped track. So during the during the winter when it gets cold and that kind of thing, we don't race on the racetrack. But um, during those t- during that time, we work really hard on securing new sponsorships, mm. um, updating the facility. You know, during Colorado weather during the winter months is, for the most part, just as nice as during the summer. Yeah. And so you can get a lot of things done during those six, six months that are off. And so we do a lot of that um, improvements and maybe – you know, tearing up some asphalt, tearing up some concrete, redoing areas, and and just making sure that once we open back up in April, we can hit the ground running and we run races for six months as opposed to doing lots of projects. Now, isn't there, I think it was out here, isn't there like a uh, Christmas light drive through We used to. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who knows my dad, who is John Bandemir Jr., um, knows that my dad loves fireworks, haunted houses and christmas lights okay and so we have done every one of those three things out here at the racetrack some with amazing success and some with not so amazing Mm. success so um uh haunted houses we did for i think two years maybe three years that's a lot of work and then the christmas light thing was great the problem that we had is that um this was years ago when they had the the bulb lights and we ended up getting wind several times during a couple okay. of them and they it just literally sheared all the color right off of the bulbs so we were thrashing oh and goodness. and what's really difficult for us is that you know once um once our season is over our our staff our full-time staff has just been so busy april through october that they look forward to that november through march time to kind of you know get ready for the next season Uh. saving some of their vacation time for that and then for us to throw in christmas lights for three weeks (laughs) during december you know it's just it was it was kind of a challenge and so we said you know 
I think we'll back off on that. So okay. we don't do that. But it's funny so you say few, that. That people, was a few years ago yeah, then when I went through and, it. And people so. still still call every December. I bet you we get at least half a dozen phone calls. Yeah. So when do the Christmas lights start up? We're like, well, we haven't mm. done that for about maybe eight, ten years. You oh, know? my goodness. So, yeah, wow. it's been a while. I'm really showing time, I've been here for a flies. while. So, yeah. yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> So you, we would, we could kind of say you grew up in a racing family. Yep. Um, what, uh, what's one of your earliest memories, or when did you kind of get involved, quote unquote, in the family business early on? Um, I think as soon as I was able to um, have any kind of responsibility, I was involved in it. In fact, it's kind of interesting. My sister- now, women usually really responsible earlier than men. So are we talking yeah. eight or ten or twelve? <laughs> oh yeah, or- probably eight years old. Actually, okay. we used to come out here during the week and pick up trash and paint trash barrels and paint walls years ago winston was involved very heavily and they would ship us at the beginning of the year like five gallon buckets of white and red paint and mm. we would paint everything white and red here during during the during the, the summer sponsor, they were yeah. the main sponsor okay. yeah and so um so between picking up trash and um and doing painting and doing you know whatever maintenance we could you know cutting weeds and that kind of thing and then um then i ended up working at the gate and and taking care of people when they came in um then i also had my own concession stand for several years you did. and that was really kind of fun selling to lemonade be able, or what yeah, were you selling? <laughs> selling sodas and hot dogs and popcorn and all that kind of stuff okay. and and learning how to deal with with guests and people and, you know, um, running out of things and, and needing to order properly for big events and that kind of thing. Mm. And um, so that was really fun too. But my sister and brother and I talk about this a lot that, you know, even though things have changed a lot at this facility, pretty much at any given point, we could go to any of any of the positions here and still do it. You know, I used to announce, believe it or not. Mm. They, you know, I would get on the, the PA system and I would announce races. Um, I, working down at the ET booth, handing out time slips. I can do that at any given point. I sell souvenirs on the weekends. And I love doing that because then it gives me an opportunity to talk to people, thank people for being here. And I'm usually in an outdoor location, so I okay. get to see everything and I love it. And so they know who you are. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So this is the uh, 60th anniversary. Correct. Of the Speedway. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is a, a real milestone year. So granddad, your granddad started the business. Yes. Started the track. Yes. My grandparents did. Grandparents, mm-hmm. yes. Both of them together. Mm-hmm. And they were they were teachers. Your grandpa was a teacher. Well, my grandfather, he yeah, he was just... My grandfather just loved to um, educate people on on the power of the automobile. He just loved the automobile. In fact, my dad always said that my my grandfather was the best dad a teenage boy could ever have, especially oh, yeah, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, everybody was, you know, that was the hot rod days. And for him to be able to have a, have a dad that knew how to do high performance things to not only his car, but to his yeah, buddy's right. car. Oh my goodness! You know, does life get any better? And um, but my grandparents had a love. First of all, they had a love for Jesus, but they had a love for um, for kids. And my grandfather had always bothered him that that. Kids were given baseballs, footballs, and um, mm. and they were told, you know, go out and hit that. Go out and kick that. Go out and, you know, play with that ball. Then they're given an automobile, and all of a sudden it's like, don't do that. 
and don't do that, and you probably shouldn't do that. So mm. he really wanted to have a place where um, people, especially young people, had a, had a place to take that need for speed because we all have it, whether we're teenagers or mm. <clears throat> 55. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and uh, we all have that. And, and for us to take that need for speed to a safe supervised environment off the city streets because drag racing is not street racing street racing is something that you know is is typically illegal drag racing is done on a racetrack and so that's what we do here controls and safety elements and that's correct yeah yeah. So anyway, so yeah, my grandfather always had teaching in the, in the back of his head. Um, he did some things up at Warren Tech, which is really interesting because I am actually the the chair of the uh, Warren Tech Foundation right now. My daughter graduated from Warren Tech in back in 2007 with a cosmetology degree. And, and so it's kind of interesting how, you know, even though my grandfather was involved more in the auto tech and the automotive side of it than Edie was was involved in, you know, cosmetology and that yes, kind of thing. And, right. and as I hear of kids, young kids that are going to Warren Tech, I'm just like, yes, that's just such a great opportunity. And they do such good work at Warren Tech. So. Yeah, and there's there's needs there for that training that uh, fits a different niche. Well, so so did your, your grandmother was involved in helping to start the racetrack mm-hmm. and basically then in helping run a business? Well, yeah, my grandmother just loved my grandfather. So whatever harebrained idea my grandfather <laughs> came up with, my grandmother was always on board with it, okay. which I just think is so so awesome and she um and she supported him in everything that he did and she was typically there late nights with him and the stories that I've heard of him now she passed away in 1965 I was only three years old Mm. and she had cancer and she passed away but um but the legacy that she has left and the people that have told me things about her um is just really it's really special and the fact that um there are times that I've had I've had people say to me that I resemble her um, mm. physically in in the look, and so I that's for me that's just that's truly yes. a continuing legacy, and yeah. I just you know. And she probably did the same stuff you did when you started. She probably did a concession stand yep. and tickets, multitasking, and whatever she had to do. <laughs> that's what my dad said. He goes, my mother was the most amazing woman. She could she could do so many things. She could be on the phone and greeting people coming in the door and that kind of thing. And I'm. I think to myself, I kind of do that too, actually, you know, sometimes I feel like that's just overload, but maybe that's just part of my, part of my fabric, my, you know, my, my heritage. My, yeah. It's also but, called part of motherhood. So yeah. you just kind of naturally bring that out here. Probably. So, yeah. So, uh, dad then takes over mm-hmm. from Grant. Did they work together for a while? They here? did for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the interesting story about that is, is that, um, is that, my grandfather um, was, at some point in his life, was all consumed with racing. And, and mm. so he was gone all a lot. And my Uncle David ended up getting very ill, and he was young. And so um, my grandfather came home one time after my uh, Uncle David had, had to have a spinal tap and had to mm. have some pretty serious tests taken. And he said he, he got on his knees and he told the Lord that he would no longer race on Sundays, that mm-hmm. he would leave Sundays mm-hmm. as being a sacred day. And, um, and that, and he even asked God to take the smell of, of 
fuel and and tires and that kind of thing away from him on Sundays so he wouldn't be wow. tempted. And so he made my grandfather made that pact with the Lord and the Lord saved my uncle David's life and my uncle David has, you know, is lives out in in the um um golden area. And um so that was that was my grandfather's thing. Okay. Well, as my dad started promoting races here at the racetrack, um he had said to my my grandfather, you know, Dad, it's really hard for us to have events when we can't have them on Sundays because most, you know, auto dealerships are closed oh, on Sundays right. yep. and, and most businesses are closed on Sundays. So it really ties our hands to not be able to race on Sunday. And, um, and it was at that point that my dad tells this story that my grandfather took his big wad of keys and shoved him across the table and said, it's not my business to run anymore. It's now yours. <laughs> okay. And that, you know what, that's, that's one of those kinds of things. That those passing kinds of, of the things, baton. That's exactly right. Passing of the keys. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, and so, so we do race on Sundays. Now, what's really interesting is that um, we are, we do have a track chaplain here at the racetrack because my dad did realize that if we as a family were missing church, by racing on Sunday, then we had a lot of our racers that were also missing church. So the Racers for Christ organization came into play. And and we have our Bandemir Ministries here at the racetrack now, and we have our own chaplain, but we are still connected with Racers for Christ on a national level. And and when we race on weekends, we have a chapel service every weekend out here at the racetrack. And there's a lot of our racers that actually consider the racetrack, their church home during the during the summer. And if they get involved in it during the summer, then once October hits, they're looking around going, where yeah. do I go to, do during I do the next six months, you know? <laughs> so we really try to work hard to, you know, help them to find their own place and, and that kind of thing. And, and where, where do they meet? Here at the track, up in the tower, typically we have we have a uh, a double wide suite on the fourth floor, and so we have a sign that we put down here by the racer gate. And when they come in, they know what time chapel is, and they know where it's going to be located at. and And we do it before cars start running for the for the the day. And sometimes we do it on Saturday, sometimes we do it on Sunday. It just kind of depends on how the how that weekends races you know work out okay. but um and then on our bigger events like we're getting ready to go into the mile high nationals this next weekend um that's done by racers for christ that chapel service is done by racers for christ on a national level and so it will be in a uh, pro pit area and it's uh, actually don uh, the don schumacher racing area and we we typically have church in their hospitality area between the Tony Schumacher U.S. Army dragster and the um, Antron Brown uh, Matt Cotill's dragster. So we're sitting right there having church. And, right in the middle and of I it. just I, I just love the fact that, you know, we just serve a God that can show up anywhere. That's right. <laughs> we just can show up anywhere. And, and, and he can minister to people. And we just, you know, he doesn't say we have to go into a church. He says, just make it church, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. And he created all the environment around us. So, well, it's pretty obvious as you walk in here. It's my first time in your guys' offices. But right to the right is a bookshelf with some free literature, books uh-huh. that are there. And they're all, all Christian books that are available for people to pick up. So what's... Um, obviously this is the business, uh, there's a bigger why behind the business, which is really cool to get kids off the street, uh, you know, especially in that time frame that it started. Um, it's become kind of a ministry for you, right? Not just and kind for, of. It is. It's yes. just not just yes. kind of. And that started with dad and granddad. 
Correct. really as well, right? Yes. So yes. what's kind of the, what's the, what's the purpose? What's the, one of the ways I often like to ask this question, you know, I've talked about this, but what's a, what's a, a wound or a problem in the world that you hope to be a part of the solution to hmm. with what you're doing through the business here? Well, that's really interesting. I know an you do a lot of yeah. yourself personally. Yeah. That's really an interesting question, but I truly believe that, that, that we have, God has a purpose for all of us. And so we just need to figure out what that is. And ironically enough, you know, when, when people talk about a racetrack, um, I think, you know, anymore, as, as things, back in the 70s and 80s, when you said you ran a drag strip, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, there's a stigma attached to that. Yeah. And I'm not sure it's such a good one. So as, as things have, have progressed through the years, um, first of all, this place, Bandemir Speedway, is not ours. It's God's. And we've always said that. We've mm. always given that up to him. And so we... Um, when we when when we realize that it's not ours, we can have a tendency to, um, or we can we can have the ability to hold it a little more loosely, and not not be so tight with it as far as profitability. Now let's let's face it, this is a business, yes. so profitability profit. is important. But or you can't keep your doors open. One of the things that is really important to me as I have moved into this position of being the next president of Vandermeer Speedway is the fact that I feel like we are here to serve people and oh yeah by the way we drag race so I I think that what happens is you know people people love the automobile and so for them to come to a racetrack and and then walk away going you know I was hurting when I got there I had some issues. I had some things that were really bothering me and, you know, in my personal life. And I just felt like I was part of a family. I felt like I was accepted. I felt like I could talk to somebody. I felt like I could open up to somebody. Hmm. So I think that, you know, when you, when people come to a place like Bandemir Speedway and they feel like it's a safe place, it's a place where they can they can share, you know, what their concerns are in their life or what their issues are and that kind of thing. And um, I, that's just, for me, I just feel like it's really important. That, and, that, and again, that continues that legacy of my grandparents that, you know, um, yes. draw them in with the automobile and then smack him in the face not and it's not so much you know larnell harris has this song that i listen to a lot it's called disturb us lord and i love listening to it because it doesn't say smack me in the face lord with with what you want me to do it just says disturb me mm. disturb me mm. just kind of move me off a of center just move me to a place to where i just feel like i need to have i need to I need to do something different, or I need to I need to be a little different, mm. and um, and I think that's the way God works. He loves us, and He wants us to be in His perfect will, but He's not going to force us there. He's going to allow us to find that, and I think that when people come through the gate and pay t- for a race ticket, and um, and then leave and go. That was not the experience I thought <laughs> I was going to have. It was far better. Yeah. You can think of a, a, a time in your life when he disturbed you. Absolutely. Yes, I can. I, um, I, uh, about 10 years ago, I went through a divorce. And I, 
really didn't think, you know, it, it's interesting. For a few years after my divorce, um, I kept saying that I felt like I was living plan B. You know, that this wasn't this wasn't what I had planned. I was plan A was to be married the rest of my life, to um, raise my family, to retire with my husband and that kind of thing. And um, and because because of the way it happened, I was just I was so my legs just came right out from underneath me for for a while. Um, But I I knew, too, that there were. So many people, there was a point in my life that I I couldn't even say the D word. I couldn't even say the word divorce because it just, it seemed so surreal to me that, that it was actually something that I was living. And, um, I, uh, and yet I knew that there was a reason that, that, that I could, that I could get through it because I knew who I was accountable to. And it wasn't to anybody here on earth. It was to God. And I knew that there Mm. were a lot of people in our industry that were watching, that were watching this family that professed to believe in God, professed that God knew the best for them. And, oh, now something happens. Let's see see how they handle it. Well-known in the community. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so for me, it was it was just such an opportunity for me to grow and to just um, to really rest in God and to ask Him to just lead me through that. Um, and so it's interesting now because I fully believe I'm living in God's plan A, mm. plan A for me. <laughs> I I just I I know that He's that every day He gives. I ask Him to give me encouragement, and every day He shows up. Mm. I can't. I can't even begin to tell you hmm. how, you know, the days that, that I just don't think I can make it through and I ask him for encouragement and I open my eyes to that. And at the end of the day, he was there. He was hmm. always there. Hmm. And I, um, it has, I was talking with some girlfriends this morning. I, I meet with uh, once a month over at Jeffco Human Services, and a bunch of us ladies get together and meet mm-hmm. to pray. And one of the ladies said that um, that the best place to be is in the eye of the storm, because when you're in the eye of the storm, you're protected. Everything's swirling around you, oh, yeah, and you're true. right yes. in the eye of the storm. Yes. And 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 I feel. I felt that during that time, now that I look back at it, I was truly in the eye of the storm. And and I, God protected me. God guided me through it. Mm. And I feel like I'm just stronger because of it. And the people that I have that I've talked to, no longer when somebody says, you know, well, I'm going through this, can I just give lip service and say, yeah, yeah, I know what you're going through. Yeah. Oh, no, I know what you're going through. Yes. You know, yeah. it might look a little different, but tragedy is tragedy. Right. And we're all human. That's right. So, you just gave me a new perspective, which I really appreciate. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, and having gone through divorce myself, you, I, I understand. <laughs> I get mm-hmm. it. But you could think you could, if you can reframe it, that idea, God, all he has is plan A's. He just has a whole bunch of them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, 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 and we as humans, we have a plan. And I think that's the plan that I was like, 
wait a minute, we're, we're you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think He's that, very flexible. He's always ahead of us. So he just, okay, we're moving on to the next part of the plan, but it's still the plan to bring the best for you, and he's good all the time. That's right. Draws so us back in. Even when we can't uh, fully grasp that. That's, that's incredible. Have you ever... Um, I appreciate appreciate sharing it because some people might just think, wow, she's raised in this family. They got this business. She's now the president. It must just be a piece of cake and just rolls on. What challenges or a challenge, if you want to think of it that way, that you've faced as the woman, as a woman president of mm-hmm. this company and for a family business? You talked about siblings. You talked about brothers right. or a brother. Is that right? Correct. So I'm sure there were some challenges there along the way mm-hmm. and some well, it, it's it's always it always happens because you know when when you are a woman in a man's industry and drag racing is you know typically been a man's industry. Yeah, now. we're not just talking about we a woman have, in business. No, we're talking yeah, about a, exactly. a male dominated yeah industry. That's exactly right. And mm. and although we have over the years, there are so many more women that are involved in management of race teams and um and and drag racing and you know PR and that kind of thing for race okay. teams. So it's it's there is a good group of women that I that I confer with and that, that we get together at national events and, Are there women and talk to drag drivers drag uh, yes. racing drivers. Oh yes, okay. absolutely. Right. Uh huh. And good ones too. Yeah, <laughs> really good ones. But what what I think we we as women really um, the challenge that we have is. Um, not trying to overpower the men because that never works. Oh. That really never works because then it just it it just becomes a turf war, and and mm. for me I don't want to be the person that they're looking for the back door every time I come in the front door. Mm. You know I want it to be a partnership. I want it to be, you know, the men that are involved here at Bandemir Speedway do a fantastic job i mean they do a great job the men that are in management and so there's really i never find that there's anything you know we we have meetings and we talk and we we can converse back and forth and sometimes ideas get thrown out and that kind of thing but but um but we really all work very well together and and it's not a matter of me trying to um to meet their expectations but for for us to work together Mm. and to be be a team and um and from that standpoint i think that that makes it i don't for me this position is not about power and it's not about position or title okay for me it's about allowing my dad to finish well oh and and how old is dad now 80 80. he just turned 80 in february and he needs to spend some time with my mom and he needs to, he needs to enjoy, he needs to enjoy some time. You know, family businesses, people never retire and he's not retired. He'll never retire. And your day does never really end. So that's yeah, right. That's how you live your life. That's exactly right. But for him to have the flexibility to go golfing when he wants to, to go to lunch with his friends, to hang out with my mom, to, to just be able to do that, um, for me, that was that was just the most important thing for me is that I that I stepped up, and that I said I want to do this because I really want you to have the opportunity to 
to move into a different phase in your life. And what we've done is we have given my dad now the title of CSO, which is Chief Spiritual Officer. And to be really honest with you, that's that's his fabric. That's what he's all about anyway. He just even did it before he had the title. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Now it just gives him the official, you know, ability to (laughs) it gives him the official ability to nose into people's business to be honest with you. But we we would prefer to call it cultivating some really good relationships. <laughs> Give them um, the legal right. To be that, able to poke the legal in, right. right. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. But he, um, he just, he loves people. He loves being around people and he loves finding out about what's going on with them. Now, would and, you, you and I talked a little bit about this. Would you, um, in the organization that we do some work with, international organization, Transform Our World, well, we talk about our marketplace pastors, mm-hmm. that there's not really a division between the pulpit pastors and the marketplace. So your dad just was that before that title happened and just was natural occurrence mm-hmm. for him. He's a marketplace Absolutely. pastor. Yeah. And, and, and when you think about it, I mean, that's kind of, again, what really it makes Bandemir Speedway, Bandemir Speedway is that, is that it's not slapped in your face necessarily. It's just there. It's there, and if it's somebody, in the DNA. It's if part of somebody, your yeah, if somebody needs to be prayed with, we pray with them. Mm. It's not, it, it's not something that we advertise necessarily because I don't think we need to. You know, sometimes we're the only Bible that people will ever read, and so I think that it's really important that people know that that they're they're accepted and that that they can come to us with you know any anything that they need to talk about so that's really important so I think that you're exactly right the marketplace but yet on the other hand you know I was I was at an event about a year ago and a guy asked the crowd um, how many of you feel like you're in full-time ministry and you know about I'd say half raise your hand and he goes you're wrong right (laughs) you're all in full-time ministry yep Absolutely. Yep. So I would say that, you know, my dad probably just has the title for it, but we really all are, yeah. you know, at some point. There's a lot of legacy there. There's a lot of love, obviously, through your family. Mm-hmm. What's, um, what would you say, and it's probably a lot of them, but what's a, a key lesson dad and mom taught you as they market? Your mom, did she work in the business as well? She did. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, she was, she was right alongside my dad for okay. years. And then as our, as our kids, you know, her grandkids started doing stuff on the weekends during the summers, she was kind of like, I'm missing out on that. And yeah. I kind of think I want to back off a little bit. I've heard a guy say but, that grandkids make kids obsolete. So <laughs> she got right. that figured out and she she's going. It, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but she's still, it's funny because she, uh, she still comes out and helps us during the, during the season with, you know, thank, projects that we've got going on. And, and she always will say to me, now, am I doing this right? And I go, mom, <laughs> I can't fire you because you're a volunteer, you know, so don't worry about it. Yeah. And she goes, well, I want you to ask me next year. I'm like, oh, trust me, trust me. I will ask you again yeah. next year. But, um, but I think one of the things that, you know, it is just such a really strong work ethic. Um, and, and that can be good and that can be bad. Mm. Because um, I think that what happens is, you know, I, I told you earlier that I have two kids that work for Disney. Now, I go to Disney and I see trash on Main Street and I pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, You're always that's ingrained in me. That is just ingrained in me. Wait a minute. Me. There's trash on the street at Disney? Come on, they don't let that happen. And that's what I'm saying. It shouldn't be there. This is so out of place. I need to help these people, you know. But um, so that there's a good side of that that says, you know, 
don't walk past it. Take care of it. Don't don't expect somebody else to do it. Mm. Do it yourself. If you're standing there, you know, don't pick up a phone and call somebody and say, hey, by the way, you need to come fix this. Just fix it. You have the ability to do it. Do it. You know, so they've taught us that. Now, on the flip side, sometimes we have a tendency to overwork ourselves and not rest. Mm-hmm. And that can be that can be a detriment as well. So I'd say that, you know, we need to find that balance and um, and Thankfully for us here at the racetrack, um, you know, we have a full-on, hardcore, tough season April through October. Yeah, you don't get a break then, Yeah, so you're going. But then we really try to work hard to, you know, encourage our staff to take some time, you know, during the off-season and, and, um, and that kind of thing so that, you know, and some do, some don't. But, you know, again, we have that time, and, and that is provided to us, so. Mm. Now, you do a lot of stuff in the community. We could mm-hmm. go through this this long list. I think I know how you're going to answer this question, but what, what drives that? Mm-hmm. Where, where's that? Where that um, your faith is obviously the core, but beside your, your, the importance of your faith, you're involved in, in city events, planning, uh, ministries, organizations, but it's just it's, it's, it's a part of who you are. Correct. And, and so... I'm going to let you answer your question because I think I know where it comes from. Correct. Well, and, and, you know, it was really interesting because um, I've always I've always admired my dad and for the relationships that he has made with people in the community. Mm. And so um, for me, I, I it, it's interesting because um, now in the position that I'm in, um, I find that I'm more effective when I'm not in the office. You know, when I'm when I'm hmm. at chamber lunches and I'm at chamber meetings and I'm at fundraisers and I'm I'm the face of Bandemir Speedway. You know, a lot of times that that person has a tendency to sit behind their desk and just, you know, be the head of the organization. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, and especially for what we do, because even though we've come a long way in breaking the stigma of drag racing, the truth of the matter is we're still that place in the foothills that makes noise. Yeah. <laughs> and people don't necessarily, there's a lot of people that don't understand that. And so there's got to be somebody that goes out and says, but we also do this and we also do that. And we're also willing to help you with this. And we're also willing to help you with that. Now, if I were to just sit in, in my office all the time, um, I, I'm not able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And and I, I've learned from my dad that, get out of your seat and go out and, and be a part of the community mm. and, and be a, you know, contributing part of what you're doing around here. So, yeah. um, that's great. Yeah. Now, I know something that's very near and dear to your heart. Uh-huh. I want you to be able to talk a little about is the race to read program. Yes. Yes. Okay. And why explain what that is and then tell us why it's so important to you. Uh huh. Well, 22 years ago, um, Rooney ranch elementary school opened up and it's only about maybe three miles from here. Not, not far okay. away at all. Um, and my kids, my oldest, Edie, and my nephew, Kale, were kindergartners at Rooney Ranch Elementary School. And, um, and of course, Jefferson County School. Jeffco School, yes, correct. And, um, and you know, being a new parent, you're kind of like deer caught in headlights. You're like first child's in kindergarten. And, whoa, how do I get involved in that kind of thing? And so, um, so I had gone over to the, the school library and I had said, um, we'd like to donate some money so that you can purchase some books on auto, automobiles and car books to, to fill your library. Because they were looking at trying to fill the library. Okay. And um, the librarian then, she said to me, she says, hey, you know, 
I don't know if you're aware, but elementary schools typically do like a, a reading program, like after the after the first of the year, kind of encouraging kids to read and, and that kind of thing. Would you be willing to partner with us since you're so close? And I said, absolutely. So she and I sat down. We called it Race to Read. We ran it from the day after they came back from Christmas break until May, which was brain damaging. <laughs> I mean, we had no clue what we were getting ourselves into. And it just, but what we did find is that the kids loved it. Mm. And it, it, again, it gave us that, that foothold in the community in a completely different way through reading as opposed to through drag racing. And yet it had race theme to it. And we gave prizes that had race themes and that kind of stuff. It probably so, really helps the boys to want to read, I okay, bet, doesn't it? You totally picked up on that okay. because yes, boys typically aren't curl up with the book kind right. of guys, yep. you know, and, um, girls do that, mm-hmm. but boys kind of need something else. And so, um, so once you have the opportunity for them to earn tickets to the races and you have the opportunity for them to meet real racers, cause our racers go into the schools and oh, display do. their cars Excellent. and it, it, honestly, it celebritizes our racers. They absolutely love it. They've, they've had you know, they, they have signed autographs. I mean, you know, and we're talking to people that race in our ET series, which is just our fun classes that we have out here at the racetrack. And, and for them to go to an elementary school and be asked by 250 kids for their autograph, you know, that's just, that's really cool. And it's, again, it's that connection with the community and, and through race to read, they're able to, you know, to be a part of that. But, um, this last year, we celebrated 22 years of Race to Read. We've been in almost 200 different, well, a little over 200 different Colorado schools. Mm. They choose to do it. So it's not something that's mandated by the district or by the school systems at all. And so that puts a whole new spin on it. Okay. Um, and a lot of times we get the parent groups, that the PTAs, the PTOs, that will, will run the program. So it gets that parental involvement in with the program. Um, the program hasn't changed much in the 22 years that we've done it. I mean, because it, it works. And we run it for six weeks, and the, the students turn in four take-home reading sheets and during that program, during that time. And um, there's some kids that it's all they can do to turn in one sheet. And that's mm. fine. Mm. And we don't tell them what to read. We just want them to read. And so it's not intended to be frustrating. It's intended to be fun. And it's intended to hopefully, and we hear it all the time, get them jump started and maybe possibly get hooked up with a series or some chapter books that then they can't wait for the next one to come out. Okay. And then they're hooked. They're hooked. And, um, and I, again, the meeting that I was at this morning over at Jeffco Human Services, we were talking about the fact that how important it is that if our if our kids have not learned how to read and, and love to read by third grade, they're in trouble. Yeah, third grade is third grade key. is crucial, yeah. crucial. Yeah. And so we do run it uh, preschool through sixth grade, and um, it is just so rewarding. I just can't even begin to tell you how much fun it is to to see the kids. Um, turning in their sheets, their reading sheets, and, and to hear the stories from the parents. And some of the reluctant readers are now good readers, and some mm. of the good readers are better readers. We well, can and, tell that's um, the case because anybody listening can't 
tell this, but your face just lights up. The smile gets bigger. Um, she just come alive even more. So <laughs> this is really an yes, important thing, yes. which leads me to my last question for you. You've talked a lot about, we've talked a lot about family, legacy, this business. Um, time for dad to be able to get out and kind of do his legacy. Let's fly out into the future, 20, mm-hmm. 30, who knows how many years from now. And it's time for you to kind of step down. Mm-hmm. What's the legacy you want to leave behind as your mark on mm-hmm. Vandermeer Speedway and this business or community? Well, I just I think that what I want I want our community to know is that that we are um, that we are giving that we are caring that we are willing to to be a good neighbor. I mean that that's really important mm-hmm. for us. Um, I mean we've we've been embraced by so many amazing people in the community. You know when we we. Um, m- 20 some odd years ago we had thought about moving into the aurora area and we kind of we kind of entertained that a little bit and as it turned out aurora voted us not to come to their area i remember that which again again you know that's those kinds of things you kind of go well now what do we do well you know god has that he knows he knows what we're (laughs) supposed to do and we were supposed to stay here but one of the things that we learned through that whole process is that the community for the most part loves having us here and Mm. i think it's because we're just we really work hard on being good neighbors um we understand that what we do is probably pretty non-traditional and it makes noise and it ties up traffic and it you know it can it can have some of those kinds of things associated with it but yet on the other hand um you know through our philanthropic uh, contributions that we make and through our our willingness to allow groups to come out here and have fundraisers and to use our facility to further their organizations um, one thing that that I've always said about my dad is that he's not really a no person he's usually a let's talk about it person and that's one of the things that I want to continue is is not to shut people down um, but to say Tell me more about that. What What is your thoughts on that? I'm. It's not that I'm going to say yes, mm. but I'm not going to say no. So let Let's at least talk about it and drill it down. And it might not look as majestic as you're proposing it to me, <laughs> but let's start. Let's start at a at a level that that will work. And it might eventually work. I mean, we had no idea that Race to Read would do what it's doing now. We had no idea that 22 years later we'd still be running that program. We had no idea that we'd be still be running our high school drags program, you know, almost 40 years later. You know, and that's something that, that you just kind of go, this sounds good. This looks good. This smells good. Let's try it. You know, and let's, let's see where it goes. And, um, and we've made mistakes over the years, absolutely. But... You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right. and you just have to, you just, not not saying no, but saying, let's talk about it. Let's get dialogue going. Absolutely. see where it goes. Yeah. Just take those first steps. Keeping the door open and yeah. keeping, keeping, the, keeping the opportunities available um, and not becoming stagnant because this industry has changed a lot over the years. And if we were the kind of business and the kind of family that said, nope, nope, we're not going to change, we're not going to do this, we're we would be in a world of hurt, mm. you know, for us to be able to say, let's try something new. Let's, let's add this to the program. Let's, you know, give this a shot and, um, and let's make this improvement or let's, you know, uh, 
come up with some new way of, of doing whatever we're doing, you yeah, know? That's good. That's how you grow. Well, maybe there's your new tagline, Vandermeer Speedway, your good neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> I, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would hope that that's what, That'd exactly be good. what we are. Yeah. All this has been fun. Yes. Yeah. Tammy, thank you. Thanks for sharing your heart. Oh, and so uh, it's much. been so great to get to know you. Um, and I was one of those guys in the 70s out on the streets instead of the drag strip, but, um, so was my dad. So was my dad. And I think that's what really, that's really one of the things that my, my grandpa, he, you know, he saw all these guys that, that, you know, wanted to, they had these need for speed, you said. And they just needed a place to go to. So yeah. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. great. Thank you. It's been great to be with you. This is Doug Austinus. You've been listening to world transformer transformation realties podcast. You can follow this podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to iTunes Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, please. Join us again. And thank you for the way that you are transforming lives, your communities, and the world by doing good.